Everyone welcome our new sponsor, Diet Smoke. Diet Smoke is the premier source for legal THC and mushroom products. The team at Diet Smoke sent us gummies to enjoy while we horror and chill. My favorite are the Great Sleep Gummies. And mine are the Cherry Lime Gummies. With a wide range of strengths and doses, Diet Smoke promises to find the perfect product for you. Whether you want something strong to unwind, a boost of energy to keep you going, or a lighter option for a mellow high, Diet Smoke has you covered. They understand everyone is different, which is why they're dedicated to helping you find the perfect product. Their customer service team will be by your side helping you along the way. Diet Smoke has cannabis gummies, shots, and vapes, each one made to deliver the best balance of flavor and effect. So don't settle for less and join the Diet Smoke community and discover the buzz for you. Visit dietsmoke.com today and use code DFWTO for 50% off any item and enjoy your journey to cannabis bliss. Diet Smoke, your partner in finding the perfect THC and mushroom products. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DFWTO. And remember guys, don't fuck with the original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I'm your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. All right, you guys. And we do have a spooky episode tonight where we're going to be we talking do. about the LaLaurie Mansion, which is, if you know anything about history, it is a shit place that a lot of shit happened especially if you know anything about specifically new orleans history which we already know there is a lot of haunted history um i think katrina weidman said it best uh on the episode of portals to hell for this where she said that even if you removed every single person out of new orleans it would still have a pulse it would still be beating Mm -hmm. because i think just from the history alone of that place and then everything else to boot the the voodoo everything like it's just yeah and i feel like after hurricane katrina it's almost like it ramped up even more 
I can imagine that that place like it's even more. Well, you know, I mean, they got they got fucked. Their government fucked. Their government fucked them. State government fucked them. The federal government fucked them. And the fact that Sounds that's been familiar. that long, right? <laughs> <laughs> government likes to do a lot of fucking. Um, with no, give with out no, some lube. listen, no foreplay, no romance, no lube, no take me to dinner, no throw me a washcloth afterwards, nothing. No, they no just towels, there just sticky nothing. and mad. Butt ass naked. <sighs> anyway. Um, so this is specifically, uh, because, um, we wanted to save the last couple episodes of this month specifically to, um, talk about black history. Yes. Um, because we try to do this every February if we can. There's a lot of haunted history in black history. Um, I'm so glad there's more movies coming out and I love that Shudder has a horror noir specifically section section now. I love that. Oh, guys, if you're a horror fan, start taking... But I, I just recently have started taking more advantage of Shudder, and I... Uh, yeah. You, you have... Listen, to. here's the thing. If I got rid of... Tubi will disappoint you, so stop doing that. Not all of them. Not I always. I don't want to say that, because we have found some really... The Andy Baker tape was such a... Ge- like, we have found some genuine, like, gems just on Google. Tubi. What you're gonna watch there you before go. you watch it. I'll say that for ev- you know what? We'll say that for everything. If it has under we'll say a that three, for everything. don't watch it. Yeah. Don't just because we have found some real gems on mm-hmm. Tubi. Yep. If like, I got rid of every single gems. streaming service and only kept one, I would keep Shutter. Because Yeah, yeah. I would it's too. it's my Netflix. Like I watch it like it's I wish I could say I watched it more than I do. But when it comes to horror movies, that's the that's the one I go to. I'm like, I there's just nothing. There's just the same horror movies on Netflix and HBO and Hulu. Hulu. <laughs> I don't. I barely use Hulu anymore. The only reason I have it is because I got that Black Friday deal on it. Otherwise, I wouldn't even have Hulu. I keep it for the shows. I keep. Hulu has decent shows. I, well, not even that. I keep, basically for the reason that I have the Peacock app for The Office, I keep the Hulu app because me and my husband love Futurama. Listen. Netflix is good for docu-series. Yeah, Futurama is Hulu. Well, Parks and Rec and The Office for Peacock, I should say. Netflix is good for docu-series. Max is good for docu-series and movies. Yeah. Peacock is shows. Yep. Paramount is movies. Yes. Discovery Plus is shows. Yes. Hulu is shows. Yes. Shutter is movies. Yes. And Disney is a mess. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Disney is when I'm feeling nostalgic. I got rid of Disney because I don't feel nostalgic and enough times to keep it. Because <laughs> I want to watch something new. So I want to watch a new also, horror movie. I have a or... physical. I, I kept it. I kept it for. The Nightmare Before Christmas. But I have that. But I own it. So I'm just like, what? why am I keeping this? I kept it for the... DCOMs. That you can't, oh. like, buy physical copies of. Yeah, that's true, too. But, I mean, in all reality, I will use, I will buy a month of it in October. Well, oh, just wait, I take that the... back. And The Mandalorian, which I don't even know. 
what's gonna happen with that i stopped now. marvel i stopped star wars it's too much I I, it's, the mandalorian was much. it that was the last one because me and my husband really got into it and now i'm just like what what are they doing with it are they doing nothing is it <laughs> they just left it i've done no research pedro pascal is just out here living his best life which is wonderful. I'm happy He's for him. He's probably finishing Last of Us. But I'm just like, are they never going to do like, They left so much off. Well, he didn't they? I know they're. We got introduced to Asaka, and now we're like. And I can't do another. Please, please, I can't do another series. Yeah, Marvel lost me. I'm not. Marvel, I'm done. I'm not. I, I am done with Marvel. Especially after whatever, like. What is this Madam Web shit? And it's. And apparently that's not even Marvel. It's Sony. Like all is this. Is it because Sony still owns Spider-Man? Yes. Okay. Okay. And there's like direct tie-ins to Spider-Man. And Dakota Johnson is on this horrible press tour talking about how she knows absolutely I love how they're like, what are the names of the Spider-Man movies? And she's like, Spider-Man's here. Spider-Man comes back. I'm like... I don't Her know. press tour on this movie is one of the most entertainingly <laughs> abysmal things I have ever seen in my life. Because you can tell mm. that she knows this movie sucks. She didn't want to make this movie. She needed money. She didn't have t fun making this movie. She does not want to do this fucking press tour, but she's contractually obligated to. And it's just, it's abysmal. It's entertaining. And abysmal all at the same time, which nobody is saying that about the movie. Everybody's just saying, I've never seen, it has been so long since I've seen a general consensus of this is terrible from everybody across the board. Everybody across the board is Madam Webb is awful. Oh, spoiler alert to everybody. Adam Scott plays uh, Uncle Ben. And Emma Roberts is Peter Parker's mom. And we get baby Peter Parker at the end of the movie, apparently. No. They gave Adam Scott a porn stash. Anyway, um... I can't. Anyway, <laughs> so we're, um... He's been from Parks and Rec. That is the only... Stand in the place where you... He's the only Ben that Adam Scott has, has and ever will be. I, I read it. I just said, I said, you know what? Fuck it. Cause I'm never going to see this. I don't care. I, I'm going to read what the movie was about, what the movie's about. And I was like, stop it. <laughs> Get some help. Oh yeah. And now they're, they're talking about still making a scream seven. I'm like, no, no, leave it. Stop it. I want to take a fly swat to all you motherfuckers. I keep hearing that too. When I when I finally was like, okay, it's not going to happen. Good, fine, stop. We got six of them. Right. And then I start hearing every look. Oh, we think seven's going to happen. I'm like, is this because I got the tattoo? Is this because I got? Is this because I didn't put this into the universe? Please don't do this. Please don't do. Please stop it. Because am I going to see it? Yes. I don't know. It depends on everything. If I see it in theaters, I don't know. 
That's, yeah. But, I mean, but we're going to see it. Oh, yeah. If they make another Paranormal Activity movie, I'm going to watch I'm gonna it. I'm going to see it. But I'll watch it on But TV. you're right. Depending on if it's streaming or theaters or not is the big thing. But, oh, but yeah, we're ultimately going to watch it. But we're all begging you to just not do it. I don't want any more Michael Myers movies either. Please stop. Please stop making Halloween. Please stop. Please stop making Friday nobody, the 13th. Nobody, stop we don't need any Nobody needs origin stories anymore. We don't need to know about their abuses or their traumas. We don't need cousins popping out of the woodwork. We don't need illegitimate children. We don't need the family tree. We don't need aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, next door neighbors, high school sweethearts, uh, elementary school teachers. I, please. I'm. Can you guys tell that okay, we're pissed anyway. off about remakes tonight? <laughs> like, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And I think when you're a 90s horror fan, because we we got all of it. Like, you got you got all of it. We got, we got all, we got the repeats of all the classics from the 80s. Then we got Scream, Blair Witch. We got all our new stuff. We got all the remakes of the slashers from the 80s. And then we got really, like, you got such a, a vast and a big part of it. And then the 2000s were, and now, and then stuff started to get good again. And now they're like, oh, well, let's, let's, now they're making stuff up. Now, like, when I, I'm like, what is a reboot? Now stuff isn't even, they're like, <laughs> that was the funniest part of Scream where they were explaining it. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a reboot, prequel, sequel, shaniquel. Like, I don't even know. I, I can't I can't even keep up with the lingo anymore. This I, is getting weird. But yeah, please don't make, please don't make Scream 7, please and thank you. We don't want it. We didn't ask for it. So, we're done. Yeah. Let's not. This is why indie horror much. is becoming such a, be, having such a strong impact right now. What is all this stuff with bugs now, though? Like, I'm liking the original stuff, but what, what, why? <laughs> why are we getting, like, two back-to-back horror movies about spiders coming out? And I'm like, oh, y'all really, y'all, oh, that one. I'm like, y'all, y'all really did that for the ones that, and I don't have arachnophobia, but, like, like the whole time my skin's gonna be crawling like the whole that's why that's what it like i don't but i do you don't need to have arachnophobia to feel like your skin's crawling when you see spiders yeah i I do it too and i love spiders yeah i don't have i love them i don't have a problem with them but like i literally will find the commercial for that for sting (sighs) or what i'm like you named it i name all my spiders even the itty bitties I'm like, I put you my outside. Husband, my husband said I should name the, I found a daddy long leg in my car. Hi, daddy. And I tried to grab it and it crawled right underneath the passenger seat. And I was like, I guess you just live in my car now. <laughs> daddy long legs are cool though. Oh, they're fucking awesome. <laughs> I've loved them since I was a kid. I now if it was a wolf spider, burn it. Your car's done. Because <laughs> listen, I love that wolf scene spiders. in Waiting to Exhale. Just my whole car's on. Fire. I love wolf spiders because they kill black brown recluses. We love that. We love that. But they're huge. Yeah, and the first the first time I saw one, I I can't remember the last time I was ever there. I was I was hysterically scared. Like I don't even know. <laughs> I was crying and laughing and screaming and making no sense 
when I called my husband because it was in our basement and I had never they are seen big. one. I legitimately thought someone's pet tarantula got loose and was in our basement. Because are I you sure it wasn't a tree spider? Seen one that because tree spiders before. are actually actually look like tarantulas. He said it was a wolf spider. Mm. He he knows better than I would. Because tarantula or wolf or tree spiders actually look like. I didn't give tarantulas. him enough time for us to get acquainted. Though. So do you understand? <laughs> I didn't go. Excuse me, sir. That broke into my home. Um, are you a tree spider? Or just just to confirm, are you a tree? We didn't. We didn't. But you converse. see, we didn't. The world would be so much better if you could just talk to him. I ran away screaming, crying, and laughing. It really would have been better. I was. I was. Imagine a spider comes into your house. A, a wolf spider, for instance, big boy, and you're like, "Hey, dude." Yeah, like can you respect talk, my space? Different. Yeah, can you just make sure to take care of all the bugs? Yeah. And he's like, I "That got would be you. better." And I'm like, "You know what? You can have the domain downstairs. Have some friends yeah. over. You're just as big, long as you get all of the bugs. You're big and, leave and scary me alone. and surprise me, and you don't speak. So that, yeah, I need you to speak. I think when hysterical was an actual like medical diagnosis for women, that is what I experienced <laughs> that day." <laughs> Because I've, like, seen it in movies. Because I'm like, how was I screaming, crying, and laughing? Screaming, the, crying, all perfect storm at the same time. I was like, <laughs> I just turned into a Taylor Swift song. I didn't know. But, like, for real, I was like, back when that was, like, a, like, legitimate medical diagnosis. And, like, the turn of the century. So when your doctor asks you, you're like, I was also diagnosed with hysteria. I, w- I yes, <laughs> yes. I had hysteria for the moment. Lobotomy. <laughs> that spider performed the lobotomy. I am ready. Um, so anyway, guys. Anyway, back to the LaLaurie Mansion. So the Portals to Hell episode was season one, episode seven. If you wanted to go back and watch it. And then um, Jack Osborne has a podcast called Ghost and Grit. Where he interviews several people, but he also has Katrina on several episodes to talk about like behind the scenes stuff of their time um, with certain episodes of portals to hell. And this one, because I was very curious how they even got entry because they are the first, as, as far as I know, parent televised, we'll say televised because I don't know if any other paranormal groups have been in there, but televised paranormal group that have ever explored the Lilari mansion. Um, and the story that Jack gave what it was, it was somebody that he knew that, you know, and I guess it helps that Ozzy is your dad because the guy was at his dad's concert. <laughs> and Jack was just like, Hey, that uh, haunted mansion. You own. You think me and my friend is going, <laughs> you know, so, you know, free tickets to see my dad. Um, yeah, so that's how it happened. Like it, I guess it pays to know people or have a famous dad. Or I mean, I it does. But um, but I but he also mentioned that there were stipulations on like what they could and couldn't talk about, and that was one thing that they mentioned on the Ghost and Grip podcast was that they they couldn't mention anything about Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage, which I'm I'm sure is probably going to be mentioned in this article if at all. But if it's not, um. Nicholas Cage at one time did own the Lilari Mansion. He became obs- 
He gets obsessions with certain things. We love Nicholas Cage. But we listen. We love the DFWTO podcast officially. We stand. Nicholas Cage, so I just want to premise that. But um, he at one point like had a legit obsession with New Orleans. Like I think I think that town I think that town has a way of taking over people where you almost become addicted to it. And I think he did. And he has a burial like pot there and his gravestone like it's it's in the shape of a pyramid. And it has some like there's like a quote on it that's either in like Roman numerals or Egyptian hieroglyphs or something like it doesn't have his name or anything on like you would have to know because if you just went there's nothing around that signifies that this is his grave plot. It's just that it got out that it was so now people mm-hmm. know but like his name isn't on it but it's some quote or some name but it's not in English. Um, so I guess that was one of the stipulations they do mention in the article. That is one of the little facts about it, that he did own it for a short time. Um, so he doesn't, and it was like one of the things that I guess he ultimately had to sell on top. I think he had like a dinosaur skull at one, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull. Well, that's cool. When he had to like consolidate money, there was like a bunch of stuff he had to get up, give up. And one of them was the T-Rex skull in the Valari mansion. So, um... (laughs) Well, apparently that's how he lost it. Um, but yeah, this place, I think, I I forget how, I think most people know about it now. If you don't know about it from American Horror Story, I mm-hmm. really think that's how most, American Horror Story really put it on the map. I that, agree. That season of Coven. Uh, Kathy Bates played Madame Lalari perfectly. It was amazing choice honestly Kevin um, is one of the best seasons but i think i think that's what really put it on the map was I that agree. was that season was when people real now i knew before but i honestly i can't remember it would have it i have watched so many shows over the years of 10 most haunted places 50 most haunted places 100 most haunted places in the world in the u.s whatever i mean we've we've seen how many of those different shows have been around? 150,000. For years. And I'm sure on one of those many shows, the Lilari Mansion was mentioned. And it was just so fucked up. Because it also wasn't like... So slavery was a thing. But there, there weren't like slave quarters. And this wasn't like in the country. This was in a giant three-story mansion. Like right smack in the middle of the city. I think most of the time when you envision slavery, then there's a plantation, there's the big house. There's it's like out in the middle of the cornfield. Yeah, and they're out in the middle of no. Yeah, I mean, like if you, which I would, we we have at some point in our lot lives are gonna go to Savannah, Georgia, and I've been there, but I haven't. I've driven through. I've driven through it, but ooh, you know when you're there, it's like being in Centralia. You're like. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, there's you a heart to Savannah. Um, but yeah, those areas typically plant, you're right, it's like corn, like you're middle of nowhere. Um, but this was going on like right smack in the city in this gorgeous mansion. And even, I mean, I couldn't even imagine what it looked like back then, but that was one thing that was incredible looking at it 
inside now. It was more modernized, which would kind of disappoint me a little bit. But I guess that's, you know, that's up to whoever. It is a private residence. It's not like it's a museum or anything. I honestly wouldn't want to Something like that. I wouldn't want to. I'm just saying, like, if I lived in a building like that, I would want to restore as much of it as possible and make it look like it did then. Same. That's just me. I I wouldn't want to modernize Mm -mm. something like that. Nothing makes me more mad than to see a Victorian home. The outside of it looks the same, but when you go to the inside of it, it looks like a fucking Manhattan Manhattan loft apartment. I'm like, stop it. Everything's white, gray, and steel. Stop it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like that at all. But yeah, I would definitely say that it was everybody now knows about it because of American Horror Story. But I highly recommend watching um, Discovery Plus Season 1, Episode 7 because they had some crazy shit. They did. They uh, The shadow person behind, I mean, that you could clearly, and coming from our own experiences of seeing shadow people, it's Definitely more fucked up in person, but it's really fucked up when you see it on camera because it's like, oh, yeah, I I know that experience. I know what that, not in that same exact place, but like, you know that. Mm -hmm. If you've actually seen it, to see it on camera happen to somebody else, you're like, oh, I know what the fuck that is. And Jack heard that growl and they caught it. Yeah, see that? That's a big no-no for me. I'm sure there's a lot of anger there. (laughs) I heard growl. Growling is an instant no. And a human, a, a human, I should, a human or humanoid growl mm-hmm. is very different than an animal yes. growl. Yes. And anybody, you should know the difference. You should know the difference. If you I own mean, a dog, if you start, a cat, any, like, if you any, start any, growling, then there you go. That's gonna, what it's going to sound like. That's exactly what it sounds it. like. And that does not sound like a dog or a cat or a coyote. It doesn't sound like an animal. It's a very distinctive sound. Honestly, demons have distinctive growls too. They do. That's why, well, see, that's why I said humanoid. I caught myself. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, you don't, you don't always know. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to say it was a human spirit because you don't. You don't know. There could be. Also, I personally think that there are more angry spirits out there than there are demonic spirit Agreed. spirits. I I think that there are demons walking amongst us disguised as humans more than there are demons in haunted places. I re- I really believe that. I think demons are walking among us inside what we think are people. More than I think that there's demons in haunted places. I think there's very angry spirits. And there's a certain adventures that is labeled everything demons now. And it's fucked a lot of people up that don't know any better. And I really truly believe that there are more angry spirits in places than there are demonic spirits. And I think that if you know the history of certain places then it would just make sense that there's angry energy there too. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always mean demonic. That's Not very always. different. If someone if someone was an angry, mean, mean ass, evil ass person from eight to 80, they just raised hell and were just horrible. 
and they died a mean ass person, you think their spirit is going to be yeah. nice? <laughs> Especially if the way they died was horrible too. Like they were a horrible person and somebody killed them because they were horrible or they died or they had a massive heart attack or whatever. Like that's not going to be, if they weren't happy in life, what the fuck makes you think they're going to be happy in death? Um. So yeah, I just wanted to preface that too. Uh, I think that there is a lot of evil energy surrounding the Lori Mansion, and I'm and once we get into these stories, I I don't think any person within the sound of our voices is going to be surprised that there isn't a shit ton of angry energy in this. Place. See, it's it's a place like this to me. I'm not necessarily saying it is a demon, but places like this are a perfect melting pot for demons to show up because of the anger Bobby and Mackey's. the negativity. Exactly. Bobby Mackey's is one of those places. You have so much negativity and so much anger that it invites demons. And demons thrive on that. So it's just kind of like right. a, a perfect storm. I'm sorry, I keep bringing up Taylor Swift. It's like a perfect storm for um, demons to inhabit a place like that that doesn't necessarily mean every time it happens demons show up but you know what that's almost perfect going back to jack and katrina the name of the show portals to hell some place mm -hmm. with that much evil angry energy could be a quote-unquote portal to hell meaning that it will invite in demonic energy mm -hmm. because there are so many angry spirits here that are just constantly pinhurst pinhurst is another oh, one yeah. they say there's a demonic spirit there that people encounter that is not one of the people there's just so much anger and hatred from all the pain of that place mm -hmm. that it manifested itself into this demonic energy that attacks people has been known to attack people so when we go there we're avoiding that spot yes <laughs> faux show so we'll get into the ghost of the haunted lalari mansion so, for almost 200 years, there have been reports of paranormal activity coming from this house. It shouldn't surprise many that many hauntings are attributed to the slaves that Madame Lalaurie kept on the property. To think right after all that shit happened is when hauntings started. I mean, like, right after. Because I mean, 200, 200 years, then that would mean right after it all happened. People have been having shit happen to them ever since. I mean, yeah, it makes right. sense. It does. Does. They wasted no time. Yeah. Um, there is a room in the mansion where slaves were often kept and reports of moaning coming from that room are common. Phantom footsteps echo through the house with regularity and many people who have stood near the house have reported feeling as if they were taken over by a negative energy. Now, was that that secret room where they kept the slaves or was that the door that kept opening that was off the kitchen? That might have been the secret room. Okay. I'm not 100% sure, but... Yeah, because on the show, there was a bathroom, but there was also a secret door that led to a back room off the bathroom. But then there was also a room off the kitchen that the caretaker there said, we'll just... Which, hell to the fucking no. I'm making my coffee in the morning and the door just... I'd be like, you know what? Here, you can have this coffee. You want sugar? <laughs> just take it just just take it um despite all of the ghost stories and paranormal happenings at the lalari house it would be folly to assume that all of them can be traced back to madame lalari and her mistreatment of her slaves 
1894, a tenant who lived at the Delari mansion, the house was converted into apartments, was brutally murdered in his room. They found his belongings ransacked as if someone had gone through them. The police assumed that it, he was a victim of a robbery, even though, even though nothing of value was found missing. An interesting account regarding this murder deals with the police interviewing neighbors about his disappearance. One of his neighbors claimed that he was having problems with sprites in his house. His friend brooded off as his imagination running wild with him. But he did say something interesting. He claimed that his friend told him that there was a demon in that house who wasn't going to rest until he had met his end, which the man did in this house. Is it possible that at least some of the ghostly phenomena had, can be a result of this brutal murder? It certainly is possible. However, nobody will know for sure until, until a real paranormal investigation team can investigate this location. Which has happened. Which has happened. Only then, by communicating with the dead who still reside here, can we hope to get to the bottom about the truth of the ghost at the Lulari Mansion. So that may, that may have even been the growl that uh, Jack heard. That Jack heard. Mm-hmm. So the mansion was for a very brief time a, also a school for all girls during, during the mid to late 19th century. At first, it had been one of the few mixed schools in the city of New Orleans. But politics during the Reconstruction era were convoluted, and surely enough, soon after the school at 1140 Royal Street was converted into strictly an all-girls African-American primary school. Within a short amount of time, reports of physical assaults came to light. We know that young girls would approach their teachers with tears streaking down their faces and their sleeves rolled up. The exposed flesh of their forearms scratched and bruised. Who did this to you? The teachers would demand. The answer was always one and the same. Quote, unquote, that woman. But these girls were young enough to be probably not be aware, or, or I'm sorry, to be probably not aware of Madame Dauphine, Dauphine, Dauphine and the devastating tragedy some decades earlier. Moreover, it was unlikely that the teachers themselves would tell six, seven, or eight-year-olds about the starvation and immoral torture of slaves some decades before. One must younger if the young girls were playing pranks on each other or if their claims that some phantom woman had scarred them was true. No memoirs exist from this period, just a scattering of accounts here. Was the spirit of Madame Delphine Lalaurie responsible for the scratches, or was it something else entirely? Although not everyone believes in psychics or mediums, there was one particular instance made known to the Ghost City Tours team in which someone on one of our ghost tours... This is Ghost City Tour. Um, this is their in article. In um, before their tour happened to be a medium. Throughout the entire night, the medium, she sensed things about various locations before the tour guide even told the story. But within the first sight of the Lori Mansion, the medium sucked in a deep breath. Such sadness, she whispered as she rocked back on her heels. Pulling out her phone, she proceeded to snap a picture of the mansion. The bricked up window, she went on. That's not where the little girl fell out of. The tour guide paused simply because she hadn't gotten to the part of the story about the little girl at all. Nevertheless, she recovered quickly and said, no, you're right. The story goes that Leah or Leah fell into the courtyard. As for the bricked up window, I suspect that someone did some interior decorating but wanted to maintain the symmetry on the outside of the home. In the next few experiences, the medium experienced such a heavy emotion like the weight had settled down upon her shoulders. She sensed the spirit of a young boy who liked to play pranks on the living and the spirit of a little girl who was often nervous. Did she feel any helplessness or anger? 
the tour guide asked. No, was the response. Whatever happened then with Lalari does not... Whatever happened then with Lalari does not visit the house any longer. Is this true? Have the spirits of the slaves who were once nearly starved to death in the house moved on? And if that is the case, who was responsible for all of the reported hauntings at 1140 Royal Street? One of our guides was lucky enough to experience something at the haunted house on Royal Street. Um, on one occurrence, our guide was giving a ghost tour. They were at the Lollery Mansion, standing just directly across from the door, front door. To their right, another group was discussing the tragedies of the Lollery, some 50 feet away, but there, under the quiet moonlight, the story of 1834 was slowly unveiled. All of a sudden, one to our tour guide felt a tub on her messenger bag draped over her shoulder. She stopped amid her story and twisted to look over her shoulder, convinced she might find a pickpocket or someone intent on stealing her things. Right in the middle of a tour, she exclaimed as she regaled us with the story. But no one was there, however. So she turned back and got back into character. No less than ten seconds later, she felt the tug again. Harder this time, a sharp yank. Once again, she was whisked around, but no one was there. And this time she told her tour what had happened and their faces, she said, were priceless. No doubt hers was too. Two weeks later, at the corner of Governor Nichols and Royal Street, our guide was on the streets again, bringing another tour around. I just want to preface something that I do know someone personally who was pickpocketed not once but twice in New Orleans. So that is a real thing. Not surprised. Just, just thought I'd put that out there. It's always <laughs> going to be a ghost. So <laughs> hold on to your shit. Uh, the mansion, of course, was main hit. She had positioned her group under a set of street lamps, burnt out for weeks. She launched into the story, but the minute she said the name Leah, the lamps flickered on. Everyone in the group paused, a few yelping in delight. The guide went on with the show. When she said the name Leah again, those same lamps blew out and the light was gone. Was the ghost of her still there, still waiting to be spoken mentioned? Was the playing with the lights just a method in exposing her presence to the living? Why is it that people can be spotted standing around snapping photos of the building on any given site? To say nothing of the number of ghost tours that crowded the cracked sidewalks huddled around a guide who speaks of medical experiments and torture, it might have something to do with the volume of ghost stories and accounts of the Lari Mansion's hauntings. It might have something to do with the tragic events that caused the hauntings in the first place. Before we get into the ghost and the hauntings widely reported at the Lari Mansion, we should start by telling you who Madame Lalari was. So if you guys don't actually really know this story, hold on to your fucking ass. Yeah, there's a... And, <laughs> and I think for so long, people thought it was fake until stories were passed down enough that it was corroborated that it really did Like this, happen. it does. It almost sounds like there, there, it's not possible for someone to be this inhumane. So the woman who became infamous as the cruel mistress of the haunted house was born Marie Delphine McCarty. She was born on March 19th, and that's surprising because she's a Pisces. It's very weird for a Pisces to be this bitchy. She must have a Scorpio. Mm, something. <laughs> um, in 1787 to Louis Chevalier Bartholomew de McCarty and Marie Jeanne, or Jean, could be Janine, uh, Larable. Delphine was a member of the large, wealthy, and politically powerful McCarty clan. Her family included military officers, planters, and merchants, and had arrived relatively early during the French colonization period. Many of her relatives owned and managed extensive real estate and slaves. 
As her surname indicates, her family originated in Ireland. Legend has it that the family patriarch fled Ireland to France to escape the political and religious tyranny imposed by England's monarchs. The first of Louis Chevalier and Marie Leanne Larable was also named Louis Barthelemy, born in 1783. Marie followed, but interestingly, her baptismal record was not entered into the sacramental register until December 26 of 1793, almost five years after her birth. Generally, the Catholic Church only did this when the infant in question was close to death. Ooh. Hmm. Well, well, yeah. On June 11, 1800, <laughs> Delphine McCarty married Don Ramon de Lopez y Anguelo a Caballara <clears throat> de la Royal de Carlos. I am sorry I read that. So that right. is a name. Um, a high-ranking <laughs> Spanish officer at the St. Louis Cathedral. Some four years later, she and Don Ramon traveled to Spain. The accounts differ on what occurred on the journey, but what we do know is that Don Ramon died in Havana en route to Madrid. This is like one of the first of many deaths that just keep following this woman. Like, I, I remember that being part of her story, too, before we even get to the Lari mansion. How death just, like, mysterious. Like, oh, isn't that? Well, apparently it started at birth, so. Oh, so unfortunate. Um... <laughs> Delphine was not with him when he passed. During the voyage, Delphine gave birth to a daughter named Marie Borgia, Delphine Lopez y Anguela de la Candelaria, nicknamed Borquita. Their stay in Spain was short-lived following her husband's mysterious death and both mother and young daughter soon returned to New Orleans. Delphine's second marriage was to Jean Blanc, or Blanc. It's probably Blanc. Blanc. Fancy way of saying it. A man who carried many titles, including banker, merchant, lawyer, and legislator. They wed in June of 1808. After their union, Jean Blanc bought the property with a house at 409 Royal Street. During her marriage to Blanc, Delphine gave birth to four more children. Marie-Louise Pauline, Louise-Marie Laurie, Marie-Louise... I swear to God. This Stop is it! Like, this is like... Marie Louise, Louis and, Marie, Marie and Louise. Goodfellas were like every <laughs> Italian boy was named Peter or Polly. <laughs> there was like Polly or Pete, and every girl was named Marie or Mary. Like they all give them the same, they give everybody the same names. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, Marie Louise Jean or Jean and Jean. Pierre Pauline Blanc. Unfortunately, tragedy struck again and Blanc died in 1816. But it was Delphine's third and final marriage in 1825 which caused the most controversy. Leonard Louis Nicolas Lalari was a transplant from France. He was a physician, though today he might have been considered more of a chiropractor. Their meeting was not pure luck. One of Delphine's daughters from her second marriage had some deformities along her spine and was subsequently ill. Hired to cure the girl, Louis Lalari used all sorts of medical equipment that looked quite torturous. Delphine's daughter did not get better, but Delphine was enamored with the physician, even though he was nearly 20 years older. Letters show that Lalari departed New Orleans for France and that it was his brother who, persu who persuaded his return. <clears throat> After all, Louis had impregnated Delphine. Nothing else could be done but marry her. Nothing else could be done. Yeah. <laughs> In 1831, Delphine purchased the property at 1140 Royal Street, where she would live with her Lalari, where she would live with her Lalari and two of her children. But the marriage was not a happy one. 
Neighbors overheard the couple arguing profusely, and it was almost unsurprising to them when Louis Lalari packed his bags and moved out sometime in the early months of 1834. Losing her husband reportedly drove her mad. Rumors spread that she was harming her slaves, and an incident in 1833 when a young slave within the household, Leah, or Leah, Leah fell to her death in the courtyard, turned all eyes on Marie Delphine McCarty Lalari. The council held an investigation on all of her and all of her slaves were set free. One by one, Delphine purchased them all back. The events within 1140 Royal Streets quieted until that fateful night in 1834. So the fire at the Lollary Mansion on the morning of April 10th of 1834, a fire broke out at the house owned by Delphine Lollary. The fire destroyed part of the house and brought to light seven slaves who were starved, tortured, and chained in the upper part of the building. The nearly helpless were carried to the Cabildo, where they received medical treatment, food, and drink. Nearly 2,000 townspeople came to view the victims. Appalled by the wretched sight before them, the people began gathering at the mansion in the expectation that sheriff, the sheriff would arrest Delphine. However, the sheriff never arrived, and as the day went on, it became apparent no action would happen. The cloud slowly transformed into a mob with only one thought, vengeance. When Madame Lollary managed to escape the fray, the enraged crowd attacked the now-empty residence. They stripped the interior of its valuables and continued their assault by trying to dismantle the whole house by damaging the walls and the roof. By the next morning, they had nearly demolished the entire house, and details of the fire and the aftermath, as reported by eyewitnesses, emerged in the local newspapers during the following week. The account was soon picked up by national publications, Madame Lalaurie was reviled as a monster, a demon in the shape of a woman, and fury itself escaped from hell. The fire was ignited in the kitchen of the Grand Mansion. Allegedly, the fire started on purpose by a slave woman chained to the stove as a punishment. The fire seemed to be an attempt at trying to call attention to the deplorable conditions that she and her fellow slaves endured. And deplorable is... I think an understatement that's that's yeah i think that's also it's being nice um many of the stories told about the lalari mansion involved the slaves being found under extreme conditions after the fire was extinguished one version begins with the condition that this with the conditions that the slaves found when authorities arrived the story says that one of the slaves had their bones broken numerous times and sat in unnatural positions so that when she moved, her limbs remained crooked and bent and her gait was reminiscent of a crab's. Another slave was said to have had a hole drilled into his head with a wooden spoon sticking out, an obvious attempt to stir the brains of this poor soul. Allegedly, a different person had their skin peeled back to expose the tissue and muscle to the naked eye. So they were flayed, essentially. The story also claims that another slave had his intestines removed from his body and were wrapped around his naked waist. Others were covered with honey and black ants, lived in torture. And as the legend goes, the lucky ones were found dead. Their torture finally at an end. Many of these stories and exaggerations can be traced back to books written by commentaries well after the fire broke out. The more gruesome stories are renditions told in Jeanne's Delavine's The Haunted House of the Rue Royal in 1946. Delavine claimed to have come upon her information from old newspaper accounts, interviews, and neighborhood hearsay. 
Delavine also declared that when the house was sold, workers went about rebuilding the house. They uncovered numerous human skeletons beneath the house in all sorts of positions, helter-skelter, barely covered with soil, shreds of fabric, still adhering to their bones. Some of the skulls had holes in them. The authorities concluded that the bodies were those of former Lollary slaves, their bodies buried to hide the fact they were killed inside of the mansion. Are these bodies the former vessels for the ghosts which haunt the mansion today? Oh, you know what? Wait, real quick, because when you said that the buried ones, I think that was from... From what I, if memory serves me correctly, that was something that was also mentioned on the Portals to Hell episode. That after the fire, when like days later, like this, it was days later before they actually, like when the mobs went in and were tearing the building up, that was like right after the fire. But it was days later before they actually started digging up in there. And so during those times, which is when they think that this was reported hauntings, they were hearing bangings loud bangings coming from the house that they thought was spirits from the the slaves that had died there come to find out what they think it was that she actually buried slaves alive and they were banging from underneath those floorboards trying to get somebody to hear them so they would get them out and days later when it stopped they died and that's when they went in and dug them up that they were still alive Oh, God, that, that, like, mm, like imagine about that just Imagine really thinking like, that it's paranormal and then finding out that it was, you could have saved someone's life. But you oh, had no idea, you had no idea that they were, you wouldn't think that. You How wouldn't would think you, there were especially people, after what people reported seeing there? I wouldn't want to go anywhere near no, that place. Absolutely not. Oh, God. But are these gruesome tales simply a product of the 20th century? In truth, they extend back to the same year as the devastating fire. While other newspapers in the area said that the slaves were kept in poor conditions, the New Orleans Bee New Paper, New Paper, newspaper took it in many steps further by saying that the slaves were tortured. Some of them appear to be part of medical experience, experiments. There are a few things to consider about the Bee's coverage of the Lollary Mansion and its events. First, they were the only newspaper to include stories about the tortured slaves being mutilated. Second, their reputation in the 1830s could be likened to the reputation of the National Enquirer today, where Bigfoot and aliens are the main spread. Hist uh, <laughs> Historians yeah. argue that the Bee's article about the fire, the slaves, and the Lollaries are based on information they obtained from hearsay. Their informant was Monsieur Montreuil. I say Montreal. Okay. There you go. <laughs> the spurned we'll neighbor of Madame Lalaurie. He lived next door to the Lalauries at the time the fire broke out, and years before that as well. He suffered an unfortunate bout of unrequited love for Delphine Lalaurie. It was documented by reporters interviewing people after the fire that he had made advances toward her for years. The problem with that love is that it's generally not well requited. Yeah. He comforted himself. Unrequited love is not requited. Requited. Like I always say, requiem for a dream. <laughs> so he comforted himself, no doubt, by speaking of Delphine in a derogatory manner. Because that's what men have done for fucking years. Oh, you don't like me? Well, you're fat. You're ugly. You're a bitch. I mean, in this case, that's she kind of was. That's always their favorite one that I love. You're cunt. always their favorite one. You're bitch. You're, you're fat. Bitch. I'm like, cool. Yup. Okay. In the Sunday magazine. Yep, show is. <laughs> I can be a bigger one. You want me to be a bigger one? 
eat bread and get all fat and sassy. <laughs> In the Sunday Magazine section of the New Orleans Times on... Picune. Thank you. On February 4th, 1934, much of this information was brought to light by Meigs? Meigs. Meigs. Frost. He wrote that the whole story, the slaves being experimented on and the mutilation, was the result of a smear campaign orchestrated by Monsieur Montreal. Montreal. Much. That guy. <laughs> These names. This <laughs> dude. <laughs> this Monsieur. Frost wrote, her indulgence of her slaves was well told by friends. She would hand half-empty wine glasses at dinner to the slave who waited behind her chair, insisting that they drink it. Her coachman was fed to sleekness. Frost also provided information on the slave girl, Leah, Leah who was supposedly chased by Delphine through the house with a whip. He stated, based on his information and sources, that the little girl, because I'm not saying that, who leaped from the roof, Fleeing Delphine's whip was actually sliding down a curving banister, playing and fell, being killed by the marble hallway floor. I don't think that maybe it was necessarily experiments, but like the one thing that has remained the constant pretty much after it happened was that there was somebody chained to the stove. There was someone found with bones broken. There was someone found with cuts all over them there were dead slaves or with their bowels cut open there were dead slaves chained to the walls or chained to the floors so there were certain things that remained a constant that were passed down throughout generations but i think that the main story because this was the one that spoke the loudest because of his unrequited love for delphine um was this Monsieur, who wrote this book, and that's just kind of what everybody went on after that. So that made it even harder when the person that's lying the most is lying the loudest. So that makes it even harder to get the truth out, even if part of that is the truth. It's just extremely embellished upon. So what is the truth about Madame Lalari and the house that sits here today? To start, we can certainly throw out any accounts of slaves used for medical experiments. Almost all of those stories didn't even show up until the 1940s. If they were true, surely they would have been mentioned in various or in previous newspapers or other various accounts. It isn't outside the possibility that the townspeople found slaves in poor conditions inside the Lillard house. So, yeah, I feel like that's the one that is the most constant is that she treated because that was the one story that always remained constant as well, was that the fire was started by a slave woman who was chained to the stove. And that's when they found the secret door and found many of them dead and rotting and ones that were in pain and had been tortured. So even if it wasn't experiments or that sadistic, she or th like that, yeah, that sadistic, she was definitely cruel to her slaves. Now, what level of cruel, I guess, for the last 100, 200 years has been up for debate. But for there to be that much energy and that much angry energy in that home, that woman had to have been evil and cruel to her. Oh, 100%. So there just, there just wouldn't, how would you explain it otherwise? Like, I just don't think there would be another way to explain it. Um, a lawyer sent by the city visited Madame Lalari. 
He warned her about the laws regarding the treatment of slaves. So it stands to reason that in private anyways, she wasn't the nicest person to the slaves she owned. Some even wonder if Delphine's supposed hatred towards slaves stemmed from the fact that all of her male relatives, including her father, had mistresses who were free women of color. Oh, I'm sure. It's difficult to say. However, the exaggerated stories about slaves being found missing skin and heads drilled <laughs> their holes are nonsense. Holes dr drilled into their heads. I'm sorry. No, I you're was fine. clicking on it and the whole article just went away. That's okay. <laughs> Our ghost tour guides are always, I almost said naked. You why know, did I see that too? I straight up. Did you, did why, you, did I, why did I straight up look at it and then look at it again and was like, why did I think that said always naked? What? Oh, that's okay, such an brain. interesting ghost tour. Well, our guides are naked, so. No. Okay. All, our ghost tour guides are always asked, whatever happened to Madame LaLaurie? That's always the story. Because I course. think there's just, yeah. So after she left New Orleans, we know she went back to France. Her ship docked in Mobile. Excuse mobile. me. Mobile. Before continuing, I'm sorry, before continuing the journey to Paris, her death is shrouded in mystery just as her life was. One popular account details her death while hunting boar. That is very unlikely. Does the arrogant Delphine seem to be the sword to hunt game? Other stories report her returning to New Orleans in a later life, later in life, under an assumed name. I think that's what gave rise to the backstory with Coven. Yeah. Was that she came back under an assumed name. name. Yeah. Um, while historians widely discount this story, there is reason to believe she could have. According to some, the Blanc tomb in St. Louis Cemetery, number one, holds her body. Most likely she died in France. There are records there are records kept in France that show she died on December seventh, eighteen forty nine. More significantly, letters exchanged with her children explain how she desperately wanted to return to New Orleans, but her children forbid it. Do you not remember what happened there? Her son asked in one massive. In one massive. Her children, save the one she had with Louis, Lullery, all lived the rest of their days with their mother in Paris in the same house. Whatever the truth, in the late 1930s, Eugene Bax, who served as sexton to St. Louis Cemetery No. 1, until 1924, discovered an old cracked copper plate in Alley 4 of the cemetery. The encryption read, Madame Lollery, nay... Marie Delphine McCarty, a lot of French, um, 7 of December, 1842. I'm sorry, there's so a lot. So this was actually, that was actually on, so that would have been Blanc's, Jean Blanc's tomb in the St. Louis Cemetery that actually had a copper marker plate on it with her name. And the, and the death date as December 7th, 1842 instead of 1849. So, she, she might be buried there. Who knows? Possibly. Despite the nearly two centuries which have passed since the fire in 1834, the events of that year are still, still told today as though they occurred only just yesterday. Facts are spun into the tales of brutality and torture until the truth is a muddled pool that can never be sorted. The more research one does, the more confusing the whole story becomes. The house becomes an entity all onto itself. When actor Nicolas Cage purchased the building in 2009, he lost it soon after because of bankruptcy. His career tanked not long, not long after that, 
and New Orleans whispered that it must be the curse of the Lari Mansion which caused the downward spiral. No, probably not paying your taxes. Notorially... <laughs> you said notorially! <laughs> Listen! A lot of these celebrities don't pay their taxes. They really like don't. like nothing though. new. They really, they they really, really don't. Really don't, okay? So... Um, the record shows that since Delphine Lori, no one has lived at 1140 Royal Street for more than five, five damn. Um, as the current and as the current owner, an oil tycoon from Texas of the mansion has only lived there since about 2012-2013. It is quite possible that his time at the haunted house on Royal is soon coming to an end. So apparently he owns it, but I think he doesn't live there full time. Just the caretakers do, which are the ones that Jack and Katrina interviewed the mom and the daughter mm -hmm. that lived there on site. But I don't think, I don't think he lives there. He probably was just like, fuck it. I got the money. Let me just buy it. Probably. And stayed there one night and was like, nope. And was like, <laughs> see, here's the thing. And we've said this before. If when they went on sale, I was a celebrity and I had a fuck ton of money that I could just be like, hey, I'm going to buy that. I would have bought the Borden house. And I would have bought the Maplecroft. I would have thrown all that money at that. And guess what? The Maplecroft would never become a bed and breakfast. And everybody would love coming to visit the Borden house. And then if I screened you and you seemed well enough, maybe you could stay in the Maplecroft. Maybe. But that's not really up to me. That's up to its owner. Yeah. So if you, if, you walked in there and she said, nope, you can get your ass out. That's the end of that. I almost feel like this place is like that, like that too, in a sense, that mm -hmm. if the spirits aren't happy with you there, like you you need permission from the spirits oh, 100%. to actually be there. I would say just out of fucking respect. Respect. Absolutely. At the end of the day. Um, I agree. So yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. I, I, think, I think I'm of the belief that the exaggerated stories of it sound crazy enough. I mean, listen, if you read anything about Joseph Mangala and Nazi Germany, if you reach, if you read anything about the Japanese unit 731, if you read any disgusting stories of people being tortured, there are enough of them out there Plenty. that are real, that have actual records of it, okay? So I think that because we know that those things really did happen to people, it's never out of our realm of possibility when we hear it in other stories. In this instance, I really don't think it was that severe. But do I think it was bad? Yeah, I mm -hmm. do. I think it was bad enough that they would have to sacrifice yourself in a fire just to get help. And now the story that we know, I mean, it wasn't mentioned in here, but that was what was told on um, Portals to Hell, to, to know that they were buried alive and people had no idea and were just thinking it was the haunting sounds coming from this horrible house that had these horrible things happen and they found people buried underneath. The, I mean, there's horrible. I think that there's horrible things that happen there enough that you really don't need to let your mind wander any further than that, and just know that people who were already already in horrible conditions because of the color of their skin, because at that time in the history of this country they were property instead of people, 
I'd say that's horrible enough. Oh, yeah. That's horrible enough. So, to have to be born or brought to this country under those circumstances, no rights, nothing. You're not even human. And then you're literally treated as subhuman. Literally, I mean, like, at best, if you had an owner that gave you clean clothes and, and good food and treated you human, I mean, you still had no rights. You still couldn't own property. You still couldn't vote. You still could you, you had no rights. But at best, you had owners that at least treated you with respect as a human, got you medical care, gave you soap. You know what I mean? At best. But to be to for this, yeah. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that no matter where this woman is physically buried, she's burning in hell. Uh, where she deserves to be. So, or she's walking the earth in purgatory forever to suffer, like in Coven, you know, whichever, whichever one of those I'll take. Wh whichever one of those means Madame Alari is suffering for all eternity, I I I'll take it. I don't care what it is. Whatever. Pick one. I'm great with that. Um, Agreed. And, if you and cause that much suffering in life, you don't deserve to have a peaceful death. Like, sorry, not sorry. It really does make don't. me, it doesn't make me happy that there's still spirits resting there. I wish they would all find the light and go to heaven and, and be happy and be with their families and be at peace. Um, it does make me happy when I hear that there's happy spirits there that maybe play tricks on people because they were kids. You just, you hope that they're finding some peace in, in, the, in the next life than in the life that that they had so that, that's so. the that's the only solace you can have in situations like that is you mm -hmm. just hope um that's what i would say if i would tour pet now obviously since it's a private residence you cannot go inside but you can tour outside of the building if you take any various tours through new orleans that that is a stop on the tours um and if you are a medium or like myself just a very intense empath that feels a lot of energies amen casper as well you feel a lot of energies from people. Uh, just say a prayer. Just say a prayer. As soon as you start feeling that overwhelming sadness, I was literally just telling. I was literally just telling my dad a few weeks. Performatory got brought up for some mm, reason. Yeah. I was telling about that experience when I got that huge hit of vertigo mm -hmm. because I kept hearing that a young boy, a young, and I never got a name. I don't know personally who it was, but a young boy that was a prisoner there because at one time that was a performatory for teenagers, mm -hmm. and then. Prison, hardcore prisoners were held there with these young boys where you may have stole a apple pie off a Aunt B's, <laughs> you know, windowsill. And now you're with somebody in there that raped and beat a guy to death. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and I kept hearing this boy. I mean, just the overwhelming sense of sadness and helplessness that I got that almost made me feel like I was going to pass out. We almost left. Time. I it was it was bad because I I've had because that was the before, first time like, we've ever not... been to a place that big, and with you I was getting pounded from every direction, but you you just were not yourself, and I was like, do we need? Well, to and leave? we were at the top of those steps too, like of all like we're walking along that cell block, we're way up in the air, and then we're at the top of those steps when that hit me, and I got 
full-on vertigo. I mean, dizzy, tunnel vision, the whole thing. And just I'm kept, glad you didn't go down and just steps kept anymore. Hearing, just kept hearing this poor boy going, I don't belong here. I don't belong. And we just said a prayer, like, just, you know, get out of here. Walk to the light. Go be with your family. That's all. I, I beg of anyone that feels that. Just say whatever you believe in. I, I don't want to go there with that. But just whatever you do for that spirit, for that soul, say a prayer and allow them to pass. Tell them to pass on. Tell them to go. Okay? Because no spirit like that should be stuck in a place like that. Tell them to go. It's the greatest gift you could give to someone's spirit and soul that's trapped somewhere like that. Tell them to walk to the light and go home. And you know what's amazing, too? There. People, like, when we were there and people were complaining about not getting a lot of... Um, that has happened everywhere we go, though. Very we true. always know. People not getting a lot of stuff, like... We've said this before. We always They don't respect... You can tell. Are. You can tell the ghosts are like, I don't want to be around that. And that couple really that was at Indiana Sanatorium was amazing. That girl, she was amazing. Oh no, they were. I thought you were about to talk about the drunk woman. No, oh, no, no, no. No, that couple. No, the couple with the girl that was. They were yeah. amazing. I think goals. If anybody wants to know what you do when you go to places like that, you do that. Mm -hmm. You do what they did. Like, he was her support, and she was the one that did the talking, and then they both made the connection. It was... It was beautiful. Textbook perfect. That is exactly what you are supposed to do. Yep. Exactly what you're supposed to do. I thought they you were talking about that drunk. Oh, God. I, boy, did I put that out of my head. Oh, my, oh my God. God. You told me. Yeah, now that I'm like... Yeah, I remember. But it was crazy because, like, when we and went to... And it says on every fucking waiver that you sign, do not come under the influence of anything. Oh, she it was definitely... That, she smelled that, like alcohol. Oh, and I mean, listen, someone that has grown up around an alcoholic, you knew. Oh, yeah. Anybody that's been around that enough in your life, you know what it smells like. You know what it look. You know, walks like a duck, quack like a duck. It's a drunk duck. Walk you fucking like know. <laughs> it's a drunk duck. Um... <laughs> Anyway. So when we were at Waverly to, I know we kind of talked about this before, but we had to do a lot of reevaluating in Waverly because there was just a lot of negativity surrounding what yeah. was going on. But what pissed me off the most, and this is why I want to go back there whenever people get their shit together, um, we would have experience that we had to be alone. Like, we were trying to get away from our group. Because the energy because would get every disrupted. every time we'd start getting stuff. Yeah. And people would start coming toward us. Gone. And it would be the people. Yeah. And it was because they they don't want to be around them. That shadow was, thing that came at me down the hall. That scared the that. shit out of me. And I didn't even see it. <laughs> I didn't even see because it. Because I ducked out so fast. It. I didn't know. Listen, I was recording an EV. I wasn't an MVP. I was recording an EVP in the room, and then all of a sudden, I hear you freak out, and I'm like, "What's happening?" <laughs> yeah, black people rule number one and number everything. Uh, something running after you, real or dead or paranormal or whatever, you just run. Tell me how white I we am just run. That when she's literally we're in a pitch. We don't ask tunnel. questions. She's run. running, and I'm like, "Why are you running?" <laughs> and that's your white though it's okay <laughs> it's okay but in my defense i love I you here i love I you here establish this it doesn't matter 
Because we've it's it's fine though, but that's in the past because we have now established that you ask no questions. When black people run, you just run. You just run. You don't ask questions. You don't look. Why back. are you running? You run. You run. So you know now it's fine because you're fine. You live to tell the tale. You know now. Yes. But we've put that out as a cardinal rule for everybody, and we and I will continue to to save as many lives as possible. That when black people run, you just run. Okay? Don't they're, try, they're trying to save your life. <laughs> they're trying to save you. Okay? <laughs> that's all. I'm literally, the funniest thing, I'm just in a black, pitch black tunnel, just doing EVP work, and I'm like, why are you running? But it was, I, it was very disorienting. Mm-hmm. Being in there. Being the in whole, there in pitch blackness. Being in there, period. Very... But, but in there, like in that specific area was very very disorienting mm-hmm. yeah that was wild you you just you you couldn't get your bearings on where you were or what or what well, was you were the one that was like turn your flashlight off and i'm like are you good i knew that's <laughs> the only way that something would happen even though i didn't want anything to happen i knew oh that it happened way that oh it happened happen. and now i'm like you got what you fucking asked for bitch and then there's places like Never ohio state reformatory shit, where we turned the flashlight off and just walked in the jails in the in the jail cell area so thank you the cell block areas and it felt peaceful i was not scared i was not nervous it's the energies it's the energies it It just felt like everybody was going to bed that's really what it felt like everybody was just chill just chilling all right guys so i hope you enjoyed that episode if you didn't know any of the history of the lilari mansion uh, Definitely watch week. that Portals to Hell. Yeah, episode, if you it's didn't very, get a chance very to, good. um, I mean, just because of the stories for so many years, and it's the first time someone's actually gotten to go in there and investigate and get like substantial on-camera proof of what's in there. And Jack and Katrina are not fakes. Yeah, and they're not terrible people. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those. Maybe that's why they got canceled. But anyway. And Katrina's been in it for a long time. Katrina's so been around since Paranormal State, if you guys can remember. Well, Paranormal and she State. said she said on that episode of Ghosts and Grit with Jack that she was a field producer for Ghost Adventures, even like in the oh, early wow. season. So she's been in this game for a long, long, long time. I really want to meet her at Paris Icon. If you guys get a chance to go, today, I would love to meet Katrina Weidman. Katrina Weidman's one of my favorite people in the paranormal world and she has been since i started watching paranormal state when i was an infant i say infant but i was i was a paranormal infant i'll say that (laughs) next week we will be talking about angry girl and her monster it is a great frankenstein's monster-esque type movie that is currently streaming on shutter uh, I have not watched it yet, but we are going to watch it and we are going to be reviewing it and talking about it all next week. So there will be spoilers as always. So definitely make sure that you watch it before you listen. Do that. Do that. So you guys know the uh, deal. We have all of the socials at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DFWTO uh, podcast. Uh, the handle is DFWTO8811. I'm sorry. Um, and, of course, we are on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. 
Um, I'm going to try to stop saying Google Podcast right now because i got to work on that next month. But um, all, give us a subscribe, give us a rating, and we appreciate all of your support as always. We love you guys as always. Um, and I think, I think that's everything. Yeah. Oh, and buy our merch. Buy our merch. We are officially about a support. month away from Horror Hound. Leave um, us a review and a rating, please. Um, so, so I'm actually, I'm going to post some stuff about Horror Hound just because they asked if, since we're doing press, if we can promote Horror Hound. I have no problem promoting Horror Hound. Horror Hound is None amazing. None whatsoever. So I'm very guys, happy to have the opportunity to attend again this year as press. Um, can't wait to see what movies we're going to see and what amazing people we're going to meet. And I cannot fucking believe that I'm going <coughs> to meet the cast of the Blair Witch Project. Like, this is, it's very surreal. I watched it again the other day. Like, I hadn't watched the movie in a while. And I also watched The Companion. Like, it's on 2B2, which I thought was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It's Curse of the Blair Witch, the documentary companion mm-hmm. that they released with it. I remember when they released that on sci-fi back in the day and how yeah i mean just the reading about i think if you did if you weren't you had to really be there to understand because the problem with it now is that when people watch the movie now you hear so many people like well the movie's not that good the movie's this the movie's that that you're you're missing the whole point. It was the the marketing behind this movie was nothing that had ever been done before like that. It really used the internet. There in were a millions way. of people who believed that it was real, and I was one of them for a. I mean, wholeheartedly believed. They, they had their actual relatives participate in the documentary saying that they were missing. It was on their IMDb pages that they were missing. Like the number that, that, that was a real working number that was on those missing posters that you would call. And Amazing. The answering machine. I, guys, listen, because I called that fucking number. They, it was somebody, it would say like with the Burkittsville Police Department. Like how would you not... And this is when the internet is in its infancy mm-hmm. and they faked newspaper articles, this whole thing. I was, a, I'm also a child who had just read The Crucible. So I was obsessed with Salem Witch Trial shit too. <laughs> and the fact that the whole Ellie Kedward thing and they had the, the draw, the old drawings and yep. like, did you know, whole, I mean, you did you, you know that the lady who has the kid, she was complete improv. Yeah. Yeah, there she were, was just the those woman were just, those in were the town. town yeah, yeah, they were just ha- just people in the town. I also, I actually, out, I also found out that Rustin Parr's house that was an actual historical building in Maryland. Really? So many people were damaging the building after the movie came out that even though there were funds raised to save it and remodel it, the town completely demolished it. They demolished the whole thing. This people, is why we can't have nice things. People were stealing. People were either leaving. They were spray painting their handprints on it. Or they were taking chunks of it. This is why we can't have nice things. Exactly. But I have because to say. People. I have to say I'm very excited to meet them with you. Because. Yeah. Blair Witch means so much to both of us. And it's our both of our favorite found footage film. So the fact that we get to meet all of them together, yeah, 
and I get to insane. and I get to show like, them my Blair Witch bathroom covered in country baths. They're gonna be like, "What the fuck is this wallpaper?" And I'm gonna be like, "We just moved." <laughs> just don't look at the wallpaper. <laughs> I just, I just really need to ask Heather Donahue what was the timeline when she got the Steak and Shake commercial, because that is what blew the lid open for me. Was a Steak and Shake commercial that aired, and she was in it, and I knew it was her. I knew it was her. Because there was that whole time frame where they had to actually fake that they were really missing. So they right. couldn't take on any projects, family, nobody was allowed to say anything. Like literally on their IMDB, it said missing. And then she shows up in a Steak and Shake commercial. You said, wait. Because publicly she has gone on later to say that, now who knows if that's true now, but I guess there was a snippet from something that she personally regretted at one point doing the movie because of how hard it was to book other roles. And I'm like, well, no, I know not that she regretted during doing the movie. I'm sorry. She regretted using her real name in mm. the movie because her full name, Heather Donahue was used in the movie. Yep. So you're forever associated with the Heather Donahue that's missing in the woods of Burkittsville somewhere. But you're this real flesh and blood actress. I, I just, I'm very curious. Yeah, I think that, she was pretty was really... happy just settling down with her weed farm. I would be too. I get that. Goals, Heather. Goals. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right, guys. Goals. Well, don't forget to watch. Buy our merch, listen, support, watch Angry Girl and Her Monster. Get ready for next week. Yes. And of course, like I said, we love you guys. Thank you for all your support. And remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with, with the original. original. Okay, bye.